All right, welcome in to RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Basketball Edition for the 2023 season. We're back. We're back, baby. Griffin Warner joins me as always. I am AJ Hoffman, and we are excited about the season. We're going to go with the same formatting that we did last year. We're going to go over four big games, and then we'll each have a best bet at the end. Uh, that said, let me let me give a warning, a stern warning, in fact. There are no great games this weekend. If you are watching college basketball this weekend, particularly over college football or the NFL, it means that you are only watching it for the purpose of betting. Uh, I can't imagine there's – I don't think there's a single game that I'm like, you know what, I can't wait to watch. I guess Gonzaga-Michigan State is, is of interest Outside And even that is kind of like, well, is it really? I don't know. I don't know how good Michigan State will be. We'll save that for a moment. What we will do is uh, have episodes every Thursday night into Friday morning, every Sunday night into Monday morning. And uh, on this Sunday night into Monday morning's episode, we will go over a couple of futures. We'll, uh, we'll do a little draft, pick our uh, – we'll do what we did last year, I guess, pick our five favorite futures – and uh, see see which one of us is smarter at the end of the day. Uh, all right, let's jump into these games. Hello, Griffin. How are you? I'm great. I'm here, uh, everyone. Just glad to be back. Um, very happy to have AJ running the show, and I can just ride those coattails uh, all the way to Profit Town. Yeah, pregame users have now uh, gotten familiar with Griffin uh, as he is always on podcast he's doing the uh, the baseball podcast that he did i mean sometimes they're doing that thing three times a week uh and then of course he's now doing the european soccer pod with mckenzie rivers how's that been going it's great uh we're working on mckenzie's pronunciation skills um we're we're gonna get there eventually maybe five years from now but we're on our way i'm ready i'm ready all right let we'll probably have some uh mispronunciations here as well but why not go ahead and get started on them and let's start with that game the game of the week i suppose michigan state the line is out this is a friday game 10 and a half point dogs are sparty against gonzaga on an aircraft carrier how do you uh handicap home court advantage here i've got no idea uh, but what are your thoughts on these two blue blood teams? I guess we can call Gonzaga. Can we call Gonzaga a blue blood until they win a ch- before they win a championship? Maybe not. But two high profile teams either way. What are your thoughts? I'm giving them the blue blood. I, I have not been a huge believer in Gonzaga a lot because of their tournament performances of the past decade or so, uh, which feels about as long as Drew Timmy has been donning the Gonzaga roster. I'm shocked that he's still there, but I guess when your pro prospects aren't huge, uh, you're just going to dominate college as long as you can. Uh, and honestly, I'm starting to wonder if Michigan state are kind of falling out of the blue blood area. Like I'm wondering in that uh, champions classic each year with four true blue bloods with Duke, Kentucky, um, Kansas. I don't know if Michigan state really deserves to be there. Uh, once Izzo goes, they should definitely fall out, but Anyway, um, so looking at this matchup, I mean, it's going to be weird on an aircraft carrier, I would think. Uh, hopefully they don't have the wind problem they did. I remember a few years ago, I think Syracuse was playing and the wind was really bad and people couldn't even shoot from the outside. Uh, I'm hoping that we have it a little bit better climate controlled, but I mean, who knows? You're playing outdoors. 
Um, and I got to say, it's going to be hard for me to see Michigan State competing. I feel like they're on a trajectory every season where they start the year off really slowly and then eventually get better towards the end of the season. We start thinking, oh, maybe this is Izzo. March is Izzo time. You see all the John Rothstein tweets and then uh, they end up falling flat on their face. So uh, I'm not really a believer in Michigan State just yet. I think they're going to have to prove it to me. Yeah, your notes sound a lot like mine, and this feels like a prime early season blowout spot for Gonzaga. Michigan State lost their top three scores from last year, and Tom Izzo, old school as he is, did absolutely nothing, literally nothing in the transfer portal. Uh, he's going the old school route, and this, the Spartans do have a top five recruiting class this year, but it's going to take some time for them to meld it. And for Gonzaga, who could could have conceivably lost all five starters to the NBA. Instead, they got three of them back. And uh, Rasir Bolton, I think, is key. Julian Strother, I-, I think, is going to be very special. And, of course, Drew Timmy, like you mentioned, in his 20th year of eligibility. They add Malachi Smith, who was the SoCon Player of the Year for Chattanooga. Awesome. They brought in Efton F- Reed from LSU. And I'm excited about Nolan Hickman, who was a, a, is, a was, is a five-star point guard that's kind of just been sitting behind Andrew Nimhard. So I think he's got real star potential. So between continuity and, like you mentioned, Izzo team's tendency to start slow, it's zags or pass for me. Yeah, I'm just – I think we've kind of learned we, – we spent a lot of time with Gonzaga last year. I feel like they were in our, our highlight games, uh, most most episodes, really, um, until, I guess, certainly with their out-of-conference schedule, and then when we get in-conference, maybe not so much as the big ones. But – they they murder teams, and unfortunately, I've been on the wrong side of that enough that I'm gonna I'm gonna let them uh, take out their their anger on some other teams, and I'm not gonna pay the the price to see it. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. And this is, I mean, this has been sort of what they do early on in the season is they they get a warm up game and then they play some high profile team and they make them look like they're not a high profile team. And last year, that high profile team was Texas. Uh, who they, they they made not look like a high profile team, and then la- the year before that, if you remember, they just started the season off with like it, it was Kansas, Auburn, West Virginia, Iowa. That Iowa that was their first four games. Only one of those was played within single digits. So they just that's what they do is they take teams that you think are good and they make them look bad early in the season. And I respect this what Mark Few does. And Mark Few, like he he has said. Any t- anytime, anywhere, he just wants to play against good competition. So he tells guys, we'll go play at your house. We don't care. Uh, he took Tom Izzo up on a, a freaking aircraft carrier. So if, if, you're, if you really say anytime, anywhere, and someone says, hey, how about on an aircraft carrier, you've got to give Mark Few some credit because that's, if that's what you got to do to go get a high-profile game, so be it. Good for him. All right, let's take a look. It's at least two leans. And, and it may end up being a play for me on Gonzaga, actually, if I feel like having some action in the big game tomorrow. Uh, let's go to Stanford and Wisconsin. And Wisconsin is a four-and-a-half-point favorite. This is on a neutral site, but it's in Milwaukee. So it's only – I guess it's a semi-home game for Wisconsin. Uh, Stanford let Pacific sneak back in late in the season opener, but they were in control for a good part of that game. They played without Spencer Jones, who – I was reading could have played, but is officially day to day. And I think he matters because he's got some legit size, which Stanford's going to need against Tyler Wall, who might be the best player on the floor. But how they look without Johnny Davis is the big question to me. Uh, Stanford has 
the best team, at least on paper, that they've had since I can remember, like at least a decade, in my opinion. They, they bring in uh, Michael Jones from Davidson, and just in one game, he already looks like a good fit. He looks like he's got some offense, uh, so that that's a good sign for Stanford. I think they can. I think Stanford can hang around this number. I, I need to see Wisconsin really tested before I want to buy on them, but I feel like Stanford is the way I would look in this one. Uh, don't blame you. I do think this is I'm marking this as a full home game for Wisconsin. Yes, it's a little weird, not in the Kohl Center, but in I'm not sure the uh, graduate base of Stanford University in Milwaukee, I got to say, I'm sure there's some. Um, but I, I think more to your point about leaning to Stanford is just the questions about Wisconsin. I mean, even with Johnny Davis last year, they were so Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, that big win at Purdue and then uh, some really fall on their flat on their face performances. I, I don't really know what to do with Wisconsin just yet. Uh, it is a little weird. That they're not in their home gym, but they are in their home state and a uh, huge stomping ground for that, that program. Um, I feel like there's not a lot of athleticism on this floor to say the least. Uh, and I think that's kind of a good thing for Wisconsin because they're that's, I think one area where they can really struggle is if they have to handle some athletes. Um, I don't know about, as you said, with Spencer Jones and seeing his availability, but um, I would guess he will play, but I feel like, I mean, just the start of this college basketball season, just trying to even understand injuries is, is a really fun part of this sport. So uh, I actually lean the Wisconsin way. It's a little shorter than I expected the number to be. Um, and I just, I, I certainly Stanford have, have looked really, has looked very good for a while. I just haven't really seen them do it on the floor. So I think I want them to prove it to me. Yeah, and you mentioned have tendencies to fall on their fl- on their face. And if you remember last year, they lost the Big Ten regular season title on the last game of the season against Nebraska, who like couldn't beat anybody in Big Ten play. And, and they beat Wisconsin at the end of the season. Then they lose the opening game of the Big Ten tournament to Michigan State. They still make the tournament as a three seed almost get beat by Colgate and then do lose to Iowa state. Like they, they had about as bad of an end of the season as you could have for a team that looked pretty good for the most part last year. Like, and really like they, they didn't have any before the uh, Nebraska game didn't have really any embarrassing loss. I guess they lost to Rutgers last year, but I don't think they really had a loss. You go, Oh, what's going on with them and had some good quality wins. Remember they beat uh, Houston last year. They beat St. Mary's last year. They, they they swept Purdue last year. Like they they had some really quality wins and just laid an egg late in the season. So I I certainly I, I'm not gonna play on Stanford. It's a lean at best, uh, especially because I think they have to have they have to have Spencer Jones out there. Uh, but I, I'm with you. I want to see something out of Wisconsin before I start just assuming that they're going to be good. I, I don't think that they've they've earned that uh, benefit of the doubt. Let's go out west. BYU on the road against San Diego State, the Aztecs, nine-point favorites. And I'll start here. I, I caught a little bit of San Diego State's opener against Fullerton, and it felt like they were almost playing around. Like they were, they were – they were using a ton of players more than normal, like in their rotation. And whoever was on the floor, there wasn't any drop off. Uh, Darian Trammell came in from Seattle and he looks like he's a nice fit for a team that if there was a knock on San Diego state last year, it's that they could not really get any consistent offense. He looks like he could be an answer for that. BYU on the other hand, they were down last year 
missed the tournament, and it feels like this could be worse for them. Like to me, the gap between Gonzaga and St. Mary's College is probably smaller right now than the gap between St. Mary's and BYU. BYU shot terribly against Idaho State. They turned the ball over 23 times. They nearly lost to Idaho State. This is a, a bottom 20 team in the country, nearly beat BYU at home. No Alex Barcelo, no Tejon Lucas. I think this BYU team takes a while to get it together if they do get it together. And I think San Diego State is going to be elite defensively. And I think they're the class of a, a pretty strong Mountain West. I think they could blow the doors off BYU here. What do you think? I mean, the nine doesn't look very good for me at Viejas, which is a historic place for teams to go in and get boat raced, unfortunately. I think San Diego State, as you mentioned, their offense is the biggest question, but that's been the way for a long time. And when they play well, they can just annihilate teams, unfortunately. BYU, I think, would... Uh, Why do you say unfortunately? Are you like, Well, uh, well, uh, well I've, I've felt the... Uh, unfortunately, I guess I'm getting out a lot of uh, cathartic... Nor- are, like, are you a normal... Statement. Are you a normal fader of the Aztecs? Is that what we're hearing? Uh, there's been some times when the Aztecs has big favorites. So it started, I mean, I've had a long run with them. I still have a, I actually have a Kawhi Leonard San Diego State jersey that I bought from like China or something like that. But uh, I was a big fan back in the day and then uh, started going the other way with them for a while and, and felt some pain uh, going going that direction. But um, what I was going to say is, is BYU, honestly, was like a hold my beer situation with Wisconsin in terms of how they finished the year. Wisconsin at least made it into the tournament and got a win BYU on the other not that saying a lot over a 14 seed though Colgate was awesome um but BYU I mean completely fell apart last year and when I'm looking at their like who played in the, the first game they are replacing a lot of bodies and really important players in Alex Barcelo um I, I don't know like what they're really going to do offensively because that was kind of a sore spot for them even with them in the lineup last year um so they're going to go as you said to a, a an elite defense uh, on the road, game two of the season, trying to break in new players. That is not what I want to look for in an underdog, even if this number kind of covers late fouling. And yeah, and I didn't even mention Caleb Lohner, who is now at Baylor. So, which I don't know if that is that allowed. You can transfer from one religious school to another, in, in like a different religion. Like, did he have a change of heart? What do you think? I think, happened? I think actually it was a much easier student code of conduct, um, especially in the Coach R. Bryles era. So, um, oh, that would, that would make some sense. Yeah, yeah, that would make some sense. So, I, I think if you were to, if you had to force a play here, is it on the Aztecs? It's the Aztecs. Yes, it is. All right, well, we agree on that. Let's take a look at a game that used to mean something, friends. (laughs) Villanova at Temple. I'll be honest, This I I get that Nova's down. I get there's no Jay Wright, no Colin Gillespie, no Caleb Daniels. Justin Moore still rehabbing an Achilles. This This is weird. Minus five Villanova at Temple. Does that seem short to you, or am I Barry. am I crazy here? Barry, there's just not a lot of love right now for Coach Neptune, and I don't think that he's gonna. I don't think Villanova is gonna be like a Final Four contender, which almost every year you can look at Villanova and say, you know what, they got a good shot to 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 win the tournament. I don't think that about Villanova this year, but I don't think Villanova is gonna stink. Like they, they've still got some some pieces there, and they still are getting a, a higher class of recruit than 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 most schools uh, in Philadelphia are but like 
Brandon Slater, Caleb Daniels, uh, Archie Danacchio. Like they've still got some body. Mark Armstrong is a pretty, a pretty highly touted freshman. I don't know that five is enough against a Temple team that is. It seems pretty rough. Like the big prize of the offseason was Vanderbilt transfer uh, Shane Dizoni, who was supposed to be. This was like the the big get for Temple. Well, first game he's not even out there on the floor. They ask after the game, McKee, where's where is this guy? Oh, he's hurt. So he's he just we have no idea that this guy's not going to play against Wagner. Who, by the way, I didn't even mention they lose to Wagner in overtime, blowing a fifteen point lead down the stretch at home. Yeah, I don't know what kind of ceiling Villanova really has this year, and we may not know for a while. But I don't think you need Villanova's ceiling to cover five against this Temple team. That this line feels just absurdly short. So um, I think Philly rivalries are a thing, um, and I don't think you're at all dis- dismissing that. But um, Villanova is usually like a at least an eight-point favorite in this game, I feel like, even on Temple's home floor. Um, and I think we're getting them a little cheap because no one really knows the, the, how Neptune is going to kind of run this team. Uh, one year at Fordham, clearly it was highly uh, – or. I guess they really liked him a lot because Jay Wright, I'm sure, handpicked or, or had some sort of say in, in who was going to replace him. Kind of weird that he retired. Kind of threw me for a loop, I got to say, seeing it Philly's games and and uh, ultimately Fox catching him in the crowd. And he just looks like he's uh, enjoying his life, even though uh, the rest of the college basketball coaching tree or just wants to die in the in the <laughs> in, like on the sideline. Exactly. Um, but I mean, good for him. He's made his money. I guess he won his, his titles. He can do his thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, you you ran through the Villanova like roster. We know all those players, and they're all good. So um, I feel like there's a, a machine that that Neptune has taken over, and, and Kyle Neptune can lead this team because I don't think it's going to take a lot of work. Um, meanwhile, Temple, if they're adding Dizoni, a huge transfer from Vanderbilt, unfortunately one of my alma maters, and and rooting for them is uh, kind of like pulling out my hair. Um, don't have a lot of it left, unfortunately. Um, and I feel like more this, than me. Yeah. Hey, I mean, that's not hard, but, um, at this point, I just feel like temple, um, Aaron McKee, like he was brought in to try to be like that NBA player. That's got some ties to the university, obviously. Um, but every time I've watched them, they've looked completely lost. And one thing we know about Villanova, Jay Wright there or not is they know how to play together. And I feel like there's going to be a lot of players coaching this team um, for all the season. And that's really slighting Kyle Neptune because I don't know him very well, but if he adds anything on the sideline, I feel like you're right. This line is very short. Well, there you go. I, this feels like a, it, it, again, it, it almost feels too good to be true. So it's probably going to, I may just sit back and watch because maybe I'm thinking higher of Villanova than I should be, but given what they, I, I get that they lost a lot last year. But they still ret- they returned a lot too. This isn't like you know a team that had two good players losing their two good players. This is a team that had six good players losing two good players, losing a head coach. It, still five just feels short to me. So, all right, let's uh let's give the people what they want, and that's a way to save some money. Go to pregame.com and you could save some dough at pregame.com with a promo code and. We're going to give you 20% off just for listening to this fine podcast. And it's simple. All you do, go to pregame.com, pick out what you like there. Could be a season-long package. Could be a uh, a weekender package. Um, whatever whatever you're into. And all you got to do is throw out a promo code. Shoot20, S-H-O-O-T-2-0. 
You'll get 20% off anything at pregame.com. Uh, you'll be able to get Griffin's season-long college basketball, my season-long college basketball, all the premium plays as we make them. We put them in the software there for you as well. And uh, Mackenzie Rivers, who who works with us, does NBA, great NBA guy. Uh, killed it last year. Killed it, like 57%. So, guys, these are 20% off of this stuff is, is a great value. So check it out, pregame.com, promo code SHOOT20. All right, Griffin, this is, the, this is the part that people are waiting for. We've got to start our best bets 1-0. and uh, Where are you going with yours? Well, thank you for giving me the tee box. It's uh, very gracious of you. Certainly use that promo code SHOOT20, save 20%. Uh, I'm going to go with the Akron Zips. Currently, I can do a line check, but I think they're plus six right now. Neutral site at the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, might even get a little six and a half somewhere, but six six in most places. Uh, Mississippi State's in a transition period. They're bringing in Chris Jans, certainly in the transfer portal of 2022 and the life that we've essentially had since COVID. It makes it a little bit easier for him coming in to really build a roster the way he wants to. But I feel like from what I've seen so far, it doesn't really look like it is uh, on the track to being one of those dominant teams. Uh, Whereas Akron, I feel like they're routinely underrated. Um, They've got a really good combination inside outside with Enrique Freeman and Xavier Castaneda. Castaneda, I believe the South Florida transfer from a couple of years back. He's off 31 points. Freeman off 23 in a uh, overtime victory against South Dakota State. Uh, not exactly the same South Dakota State that everyone picked to, to upset Providence in last year's bracket, but still a good win nonetheless. Uh, I feel like it's really big going into a neutral site to come off with that uh, that win and that momentum. Uh, and I, I just don't really believe in Mississippi State just yet. I feel like there's a lot of change going on at that program, a lot of new um, systems being implemented. I think it's going to be a little bit of a slow start. So I'm going to take Akron plus six uh, at the Wells Fargo Center on Friday. I am a Chris Jans lover, so I feel like you're. Uh, it's insulting what you hey, just said. Hey, I, I I love him too. I gotta say, uh, it's I don't really see him often as a favorite like this size because when they play big, because well, he doesn't he doesn't often have the talent that he's got now. Indeed, indeed. Uh, I'm gonna also fade a new coach though, and I'm gonna go with the Clemson Tigers at South Carolina, and you know I'll, I'll talk about Clemson first. All right, Clemson. Played really well down the stretch in the ACC. They had a bad start to the season. I was excited about Clemson this year, but then Alamir Dawes transfers to Seton Hall. Nick Honor transfers to Mizzou. And I'm like, oh, well, that kind of sucks. They still have P.J. Hall, who ended up being one of the best bigs in the ACC at the end of the season, but they did well in the portal. They, and the big prize was Brevin Galloway, who was a star at Charleston before he transferred to Boston College last year. So I, I like what Clemson's bringing back. Now let's talk about South Carolina who they had for their opener the cupcake of cupcake games lined up against South Carolina State. If you don't know what's going on at South Carolina State, I'll give you a quick synopsis. What's going on? They went three months this offseason without a head coach. Like, no no signs that one was coming. Like, they they fired Mm. a coach, or a coach left, I should say, and then there was just no one to replace him. Finally. They replace him, but by this time, all the players are gone, <laughs> and there's no there's no time to – everybody's taken out of the transfer portal. So he's got a bunch of freshmen who are basically – and I'm trying to be nice – they're basically not D1 caliber players. These are kids that probably wouldn't have been on the team if 
it wouldn't have been an emergency situation. So, of course, the Gamecocks almost lose that game outright as near 25-point favorites. They are in shambles. And I'm not Lamont Paris might end up being a good coach. It's going to take him some time, though. South Carolina lost 82% of their minutes from last year. 85% of their scoring from last year. They did bring in a five-star in Gigi Brown because they're other than that, their their best returning player was basically a role player last year. And that like that's who was going to be lead the team. Gigi Brown did not look great in his first game. This is a ground-up rebuild. Clemson lost some pieces, but they replaced them. They are nowhere near where South Carolina's at right now, like which is at the very, very bottom, trying to start this thing totally over after Frank Martin's out. So I like Clemson minus one and a half here on the road. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I do really like Lamont Paris from his time at uh, – at Chattanooga, um, he was really good to me last year. But you, but you remember it, his first couple of years at Chattanooga, it was this same situation. It was like it took him a while to get things in place there. I mean, I I am not uh, speaking out against the South uh, against the South Carolina fate at this point, though. Um, unfortunately, when Frank Martin goes and they clean house, and unfortunately with the portal the way it is, and everyone leaves. Um, I mean, I'm not even sure these people they even know their teammates' names at this point. So um, I, I love, I love, Clem- I really think Brad Brownell is a really good coach, and I feel like he's done a lot better than anyone has really thought he should. Clemson, I think, is a tough job because they have high expectations, and it's just not something that that he a lot of times they can <laughs> deliver to. But he's done well, and I, I just think the program is is strong. All right, well, there you go. There's our two best bets. We are on Clemson. And we are on the Zips, the Tigers and the Zips of Akron uh, for our first round of best bets. Griffin, good to have you back on board. Good to be back in the college basketball season. Best of luck to you guys out there with your bets. And we will talk to you next week.